Well, I've entitled this morning's message, Time to Fight. I know that sometimes you got to put your dukes up. Sometimes you have to be ready to fight. And by sometimes, I mean most of the time. You know, I, I, I mentioned uh, this message uh, several weeks ago. I felt like God was, was wanting me to share it with the congregation. And obviously it was in the middle of Christmas and stuff. So I've been thinking about this uh, over the last several months. And uh, really what, what brought it on is I began to look out across the congregation. And, and I began to see people being attacked in different ways and facing different things. And the reality is, is that when the tough gets going, sometimes we have to get ready to put our dukes up. We have to get ready to fight and push back. Instead of being rolled over by what's going on in our world, we need to begin to take a stand. Church, it's time to take a stand. Begin to make declarations of God's promises in your life. We need to make declarations. We need to, to and, and if we're looking and, and the promises of God are not manifesting in our lives, we need to start figuring out what's going on. Why are we, we missing out on what God has for us? It's time to stop being timid about what God has to say about our lives. You know, one of the things that I see all the time and it, uh, is that we make excuses for God. Anybody ever made an excuse for God? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Anybody ever prayed for somebody? And they didn't get healed the way that you expected them to or something was going on. So instead of, instead of just standing firm on God's promise, you begin to make excuses for why it didn't happen. One of my favorite ones are is, is God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> or maybe it's God's will that I have cancer. That's just stupid thinking. First off, God doesn't work in mysterious ways. He's made his ways known in the Bible, particularly in His Son, Jesus, His perfect theology. We've got a full revelation of God's heart and His will and His plan and His purpose for our life in Jesus. People wonder, well, maybe God wants me sick. Well, ask yourself this. Did anybody ever go up to Jesus and, and it was asked for healing and Jesus said, well, maybe in a little while. Maybe sometime down the road. Maybe if you'll just get your life together, then we'll take care of you. But no, every single time, every single time, it says Jesus healed them all. People wonder why we pray and, 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 uh, when, we, when we say that it's by his stripes you are healed. Many, many people don't believe that that's what it's talking about. But I think it is because in Matthew 8, 17, it says that, and I'm pretty sure it's Matthew 8, 17, it says that uh, uh, Jesus healed all who were sick. And this was to fulfill what it said in Isaiah by his stripes, they would be healed. So I figure if they can interpret it as physical healing, then I'm going to interpret it as physical healing as well. Is it a little bit too loud for you guys out there? Good. Bring it just a smidge. I can feel it banging on the back of my head, so I know it's, it's a little bit loud. We're, we're getting all the sound figured out. Just bear with us. But the, the reality is, is that sometimes we need to make a stand for those promises. What the Word of God says is true. I would encourage you to be crazy enough to think that God is who He says He is, and He's going to do what He says He's going to do. Too many of us read what the Word says, and we go, oh, that's not for me. That's for somebody else, just for the super saints. Maybe it's just for the pastor or the worship team. But the reality is, is every promise in the Bible is yes and amen in Him. The reality is, is that we need to start believing what his word says and standing on those promises and stop backing down, stop making excuses why things aren't happening. 
the reality is, is there's an enemy that is against us right now, and this world is his. The devil doesn't want you to be successful. The devil doesn't want you to be free. The devil doesn't want you to have a happy marriage. The devil doesn't want you to be strong. He doesn't want you to be faithful. He doesn't want you to keep attending church. When Sunday morning comes up, he wants you to stay in bed because you can come and get equipped here and empowered here and maybe learn something you didn't know so you can stand against him. He doesn't want you to be someone that other people can count on. And he doesn't want you to believe that you are loved and that you are valuable. If anybody doesn't think that they're loved or doesn't think they're valuable, I want you to know right now that you are loved and you are valuable. And Jesus Christ proved it when he went to the cross for you. They say that something is worth whatever someone is willing to pay for it. That's how much he was willing to pay for you. He gave up his life for yours because he figured that you were more valuable than even his own life. But see, here's the thing. In today's world, we're so used to people dangling promises out in front of us like a carrot. And they say that, oh, I promise you this, but only if you do this. You know, they start putting stipulations on it. They say, I promise you this, and then they, they don't like the way things are going, and they just pull that promise out from underneath you. There's always that chance that they're going to turn on their promise. And the thing is, is in our lives, we've all seen people promise something and fail to deliver. Matter of fact, I'm sure everybody in this room has promised something and failed to deliver. It's something that we almost uh, think of as normal. And, and, and what happens in our lives is when, when, when people do stuff, we begin to attribute those characteristics to God. Many people view God like they view their father. If you had a good father, usually it's pretty easy to understand that God the Father is good. But if you've got a terrible father, then it's difficult sometimes for people to understand that God is good because their only experience with a father is something bad. And that happens with us. We see what's going on around us and all of a sudden we begin to attribute the way the world works to how God works because people have let us down. Somebody promises something and they just disappear or they lie to us. And the truth is, it even happens in the church. We'll get promises. We'll be told something in the church and then it's pulled out. The rug is pulled out from underneath us. The problem is, is we begin to start attributing that stuff to God. We begin to start thinking that it's Him that's doing these things. But I want you to know something. If you read through the Bible, you'll never find an instance where somebody was begging God to fulfill his promise in their life. They don't have to because he is faithful. You know, the question is, why would we ever wonder if God isn't going to give us what he promised? But we do. We question it all the time. We wonder what's going on. But the reality is, is that we need to start declaring God's promise over our life and then move on. Even if we don't see it, just like that song we just sang today, even if I can't see it, he's working. Even if I don't feel it, he's working. You stand on the promise and you move on. When you're praying for someone to be healed, we pray for him once. We ask God, God, would you just go ahead and do a miracle in this person's life? According to your word, will you make them whole? And from then on, we don't ask God anymore. We just thank him that it's already done. You only have to ask once. After that, you stand on the promise because his word is true and he is faithful. We need to behave as if God's promises are already true in our life. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. I say, oh man, you are blessed. You're like, Pastor Wayne, you don't know what's going on in my life right now. 
having trouble finding a job. I don't know where rent's going to come out. My kids are acting all crazy. My spouse, I want to punch him in the throat most of the time. And I say, but no, you're blessed because God's word says it is. And sometimes we need to just start living like it is and see how life catches up to what God has already promised. But instead, we focus on the negative. We start making excuses and we start walking by sight instead of by faith, instead of trusting in what God has said. The thing is, is that we see the bait and switch so often that we come to expect it. But I promise you, God is never going to pull a bait and switch on you. If he said it, it is so. God's not like them fast food places. Like, you ever seen a McDonald's commercial? And really, it's not just McDonald's. It's every fast food places. But you're like, you see that picture? I want one of those burgers. Like, that looks delicious. Matter of fact, I'll be honest, I don't even know how they make those pictures sometimes if they're using the same material. Because they look so good. They're juicy and they just, just got the perfect ingredients and they look all full. And then you go and you get in line and they're like, and you're like, I want one of those burgers. So you pull up to the next window. Pretty sure they said something. Who knows what they said? But you get up there and they give it to you. And the picture was all big and plump. And it's all flat. And you're like, were you sitting on this? <laughs> like, where did you keep this before you gave it to me? You just store them in your back pocket or something? It's the bait and switch, right? They promise something and you get something else. Guess what? God's not like that. Matter of fact, in every experience of my life, God's promises have been way better than I could have ever imagined them. Not always the same as I imagined them, but always better than I imagined them. But so many times we're, we're settling for the flattened double cheeseburger. <laughs> and we make excuses for God, right? Because one, we don't want to uh, uh, talk bad about God. So, oh, it must be this or it must be that. We start making excuses or we're not willing to go the distance. Because the thing about faith is it's with faith and patience you inherit the promise. Sometimes you've got to walk through it for a little while. But so many times we give up so fast that it can never come to fruition. So let's start in 2 Kings 6, 15-17 today. It says, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And when Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So what happened here is, the, this great massive army was sent by the king of Aram to capture Elijah because the, the king didn't like what Elijah was doing. How many know this, that when you're walking in the footsteps of God, when you're living up to his will, when you're doing what he wants you to do, sometimes people aren't going to like what you're doing. Just get used to it. And the reality is, is that sometimes we're going to face opposition when we're doing the will of God. Too many of us go, oh, something's tough. I must not be, must not be doing what God wants me to do. We, we, we start to feel some opposition. We go, oh, maybe this wasn't what God willed us to do. And sometimes I think we just use it as an excuse for ourselves because some of us came into this thinking that serving God was going to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy from here on out. But except it's hard sometimes to serve God. And when stuff starts to get a little bit tough, we, we just want to check out and say, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. 
I'm going to go back to that old life of sin because that was easier. It's easier to say yes to sin than to say no to it sometimes. So the question is, like this young man here, when we're, we're up against opposition, do we stand firm knowing that God's got our back or do we run and cower in fear? Do we give up because things are hard? You know, I think so many marriages end because people just gave up instead of fighting. Not all of them. But I think many of them are that way. Instead of putting in the time and pushing through and fighting through whatever's coming, and it takes both people for that to happen. I mean, you know, you can't do a marriage one-sided. But the problem is, is, is one or both of them give up instead of pushing through and fighting. And I think so many marriages end because of that because they weren't willing to put in the work. Newsflash, marriage is hard too. One of the best pieces of marriage, marriage advice I ever heard given to somebody was, was given to my pastor. And he was told, get married, find out you're incompatible, and get over it. <laughs> you know what? I think friendships end for the same reason. Instead of people working through their differences, they just get up and leave. And this, this, this applies to every area of our life. You know how many people leave churches because they got offended instead of trying to work it out? That's why I always try to tell people, we're a family here. And you know what happens? When you're a family, you can tick each other off but still be family the next day. You figure it out. You work out. When stuff is going wrong, you don't run away to the next place, but instead you figure out what's going on here. Your job is like that. Sometimes you just need to step up in your job instead of just running away. Family, I mean, there's so many situations where if we would have just stuck it out, if we would have just took a stand, if we would have just fought, we would have had what we were desiring, but instead we gave up because it was easier. I think one of the things we do too is we, we cower and, and hide in fear because we think that we're alone. And we can't see past the problem. That's what happened to, to this young man here, Elisha's servant. He thought he was alone. So Elisha, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're alone. And there's so many of them. The reality is, is that we're not alone. And Elisha prayed and said, God, open up this man's eyes. And when he did, he saw that there were chariots of fire around him. The mountain was full of horses and warriors. And the truth was, is they weren't outnumbered. They just didn't see who was, he just didn't see who was really there. And I think that's what happens with us. We can't see past the barriers and we think that we're facing it alone and we wonder how can we ever deal with it. We're, we're in a marriage where, where it seems like the, our spouse, the, 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 we can't get along with our spouse. And we wonder how are we ever going to do it? And we think we're alone, but we're not. God is there with us to give us the strength and the courage. But we doubt it whether consciously or subconsciously we think that we're alone. We feel just like Elisha's servant, wondering, what's going on? Why are we alone? And he's reminded, fear not, because God is with you. The problem is, is that we think God has left us. But if we would just open our eyes, we'll see that he actually never left at all. He was there the whole time. And the reality is, if God's on your side, how many of you know that you're on the winning team? Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let me let you in on another little secret. This is from 1 John 4.4. 4. Little children, you are from God. You have overcome them 
For he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Now that doesn't mean you're not going to have to fight. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have to have battles. The thing is that you've got God behind you and he that is in you, Jesus inside of you, can guarantee you the victory as long as you'll fight. But if you stop fighting, you can't win. If you stop fighting, you can't keep going forward. If you stop fighting, you'll always be on the losing end. But if you will fight, you have all the support and power that you need to make it through. I'm not saying that you're not going to get bloodied up. Life is hard. Sometimes we we get a shiner. Sometimes we get a fat lip. Sometimes we're going to go through some stuff, but God will get you through it. You're not going to die. You'll make it out the other side victorious if you'll just stick it out. But you'll say, Pastor Wayne, what about the times where it seems like God's not doing anything? You've prayed for a change, but it doesn't seem like anything's happening. It doesn't seem like there's any change in sight coming, and you've prayed for provision, but there just doesn't seem to be enough. You've prayed for peace, but your insides are in turmoil. It's like you can't get a hold of it. What about those times? You know, I would encourage you to not only pray for those things, but also pray that God would give you a revelation that you actually have those things. Because sometimes we get this, this head knowledge, this idea of, of we understand what the Bible says, but we actually don't have a real revelation of it. We don't really believe it. We're like, oh, we know it says this. But we don't really, we haven't internalized it. We don't really believe it. Ask God to open your eyes like he did Elijah's servant. And God will open your eyes and see that, she, that, he is, that, that he's with you and that you'll make it through. Keep on walking. Keep pushing forward. Pastor Andy Elms, he's uh, one of the pastors out of England that, that uh, I don't think he's been to our church here yet, has he? He's been to the, the Tucson church several times. But uh, he said this once. He said, continue walking through your corridor of faith, the area of your walk between the promise and the realization of that promise. Sometimes we have to walk it out. We have to get to where we're going. And then he also said this, which I really enjoy. He said, if God led you in, he will lead you out. Because he'll never lead you on. If God's taking you into something, he'll make sure that you get out. If God has promised something to you, stand firm in that. Don't give up. There's so many times it would have been easy to give up planting this church. Being married to my wife. The truth is we almost did give up. And it wasn't until we put our eyes back on Jesus that everything turned around. Because God is faithful. And the truth is, in this life, we're at war. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Christianity is not a timid or a passive faith. The truth is, is we're at war and there are powers that want you dead. The devil wants nothing more than for you to be dead. And he can't win. He actually is already lost. So all he can do is take people with him. And that's his goal. He wants you to be stuck with him. He wants you to believe what he's saying instead of believing what God's saying. But the problem is he's the father of lies. So when you believe him, you're just believing a lie. You know what happens when you believe a lie? 
the outcome isn't what you expected. Because the whole premise was based on a lie. But instead, we put our trust in God who tells the truth. And he says that we're at war. But he says, though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. We'll take a, I'm going to look at this in a couple of different aspects. But one, the reality is, is we are at war. If you think that you're not, you're in the wrong place. If you thought Christianity was just about coming and sitting and, and sitting on your uh, blessed assurance on Sunday mornings, then you're in, you're in the wrong place. You got the wrong idea of what's going on. But to be clear, we're not fighting people. Too many Christians think we're fighting people. And that's why they sit on the side of corners throwing, hurling insults and saying all kinds of awful things to people. Because for some reason they expect unsaved people to act like Christians, which blows my mind. You shouldn't act, expect people that aren't saved to act like Christians. If you expect people that aren't saved to act like Christians, you're a fool. And I'm okay with saying that to your face. If you believe that, that's a foolish thought. But the lost are not our enemy. We are in a war, but the lost aren't our enemy. Telling people that they're going to hell, how many of you know is not fighting a battle? All it does is make it harder for God to touch them because the reality is, is that as soon as you say you're a Christian, you're an ambassador for Christ, the good and the bad. And if you say you're a Christian, you begin to slurp, uh, hurling insults at people. Now they attribute those actions to God. And they think, why would I want to serve a God like that, that, that teaches people to act like that? And we actually impact our ability to reach people when we think that we're warring with them. I want you to know something. God doesn't hate homosexuals. God doesn't hate abortionists or people that get abortions. God doesn't hate strippers. God hates sin. He doesn't hate the people that commit those sins. If he did, we'd all be in a bad place. The reality is, is that homosexuals aren't going to hell because they're homosexual. And people that perform abortions aren't going to hell because they performed an abortion. And I thank God for that because we've all sinned. And if we were going to hell for our sin, we'd be in a, in a tough place. But the reality is, is that the reason people go to hell is not for their sin because of the sins they committed, but they go to hell because they didn't accept the free gift of salvation. That's the only, that's the narrow gate. The, the gate isn't you do this, this, and this, and you're saved. The narrow gate is you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now I get that uh, the Bible says they're storing up wrath for themselves. It'll be worse for some than others. And I also get that as Christians, we're going to stand before God and give an account of our life as well. But when people stand before God, it'll, it'll, it's not going to be for their sin. It's going to be, did you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's why they're not going to get in. So how do we war then if it's not about fighting these people that seem to be against God? The Bible says that they're an enemy of God. The truth is, before we were saved, we were enemies of God. But they're not enemies of us. So how do we war? How do we fight? How do we battle it? Well, how about we start telling people that God loves them instead of they're going to hell? How about we tell them that he gave up everything so that they could live? How about we combat incorrect views of God and Christians in how we live our lives so that we can have an opportunity to share the gospel? Did you know that telling people that Christ loves them is not going to be enough? You actually got to show it. And sometimes, I know it's hard to show people you love them. 
That's part of the fight. Dealing with that internal whatever it is that wants you to make you do something that's contrary to what God wants for your life. God doesn't say love them if they're lovely. He says love them. And the thing is, is we have to show that in us. Because how many know that the gospel is divinely powerful? It is divinely powerful. It says we have divine power to destroy strongholds. And a new life is the only thing that can destroy those fortresses that have been built up and have enslaved people. That divine power is the only thing that can, that can set you free in your own life. You see, so many of us, God came in and he said, you are set free. But we decide to stay right where we're at instead of acting on that freedom, instead of walking in that promise. But the truth is, is the, the, the power of God in people's lives can have a massive impact. It can, it, can, it can make them whole. It will make them whole. It'll give them health. It'll make sure that they have provision. It'll give them the strength to cope with whatever coming, is coming their way. And we need to share that with people. But in order to do that effectively, we need to start sharing that with ourselves. Sometimes you need to get up and look in a mirror and begin to preach to yourself. And begin to repeat the word of God to yourself. In our own lives, we have to start taking every thought captive. The one that, that tells us we're not good enough. Or the one that wants to take us down a road that we don't want to go in. We need to start taking those thoughts captive. We need to start stepping on, uh, standing on the promises of God in our lives. And, and repeat those in our mind. And I get it. Sometimes we get crazy thoughts in our head. And that's not an issue, actually. I mean, what pops in your head is not the issue. Is if you let it stay there. That's the problem. You take it captive and you throw it out. The expression says you can't stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can keep it from building a nest. Or you can shave and you don't have to worry about him building a nest at all. <laughs> don't let rogue thoughts manifest into actions in your lives. Too many people aren't seeing the promises of God manifest in their lives because somehow we've become okay with it. We've become okay with, with where we're at. We've, we've somehow justified what's going on in our lives. And we're not exercising the authority that God has given us to stand against the enemy who's trying to destroy us and our families. That's what the power Paul is talking about here is, is this divine power was designed to destroy strongholds, not in just the lives of others, but in our own lives as well. And the power that we have inside of us is real. If you'll just tap into it and, and trust God and believe that He is who He says He is, He'll do what He says He's going to do instead of making excuses for why things aren't working out in our lives. The promises of God are grasped by people who are bold and willing to go to war with the enemy because He doesn't want you to have them. He's going to do everything that He can to take them away from you. And the point of these verses is, is to, to, I wanted you guys to see that we're not passive as Christians. That we're not to be timid, we're not to be afraid, but we're to be bold, bold as lions. And proclaim the gospel, not only in the lives of others and share with us, but also proclaim it in our own lives. We're to be bold and strong. And the reality is, is that, that in order to do that, we're going to have to discipline ourselves as well. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. 
So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, I've already said it a couple times today, but being a Christian isn't easy. You're going to have to put in some work. You're going to have to exercise some discipline. It means that you're going to have to make some changes in your life, and you're going to have to make some commitments. This prize that he's talking about, you can read about in Philippians 3, 13 through 14. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The reality is, is that if you want everything God has for you, you're going to have to start putting in work yourself. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about performing to work for God's love or work for Him to think that you're valuable or good enough or provision or for salvation. That is a free gift. But the problem is, is God wants to work in your life and, and, and have, put blessing in your life and fulfill His promises, but we do everything we can to, to keep Him out of it. And instead of, of receiving the freedom that He's given us, we choose to stay right where we're at. And it's not just, not just uh, uh, the people in the congregation, it's pastors as well. You know, one of the things I would like more than anything was God, would be for, for God to, to help me lose a little bit of weight and get in better shape. But how many know if for that to happen, I might have to stop eating them flattened cheeseburgers <laughs> that don't look as good. I, I think I go back hoping that one day it'll look as good. <laughs> but I can't blame God for that happening in my life. I have to be disciplined in my own life as well. And that goes for everything. I mean, if you're uh, struggling with alcohol, you need to start pressing into him and do, it, do what you need to do to get away from that. If you struggle with alcohol, don't bring it in the house. Stay away from bars. As Christians, you should always stay away from bars. Unless you're going in there to preach the gospel, and they'll kick you out soon anyway for that. So <laughs> stay away from that stuff. Exercise the freedom that God has given you and stand on it. Men that are dealing with pornography, you're free from that, but you got to start doing stuff to get away from it. Even the simple stuff like reading your Bible and, and spending time in prayer, you're going to have to make some commitments. You're going to have to be disciplined to make sure those things happen because the truth is, is the enemy wants to distract you. Even coming to church every Sunday, there'll always be a reason why you don't want to get up, why something else is going on. We have to be committed and be disciplined to get here because this is one and I want to be clear, this is only one of the areas where you can be fed. You need to be diligent throughout the week as well, spending time in the Word and, and spending time in prayer because if you just get filled up on Sunday, it's not going to last long enough. There are so many things that we've been set free from. The moment you were saved, you were set free, but some of us don't grab hold of it. When I got born again, I smoked for a long time. It took me forever to quit smoking. Actually, I'll be honest with you, quitting smoking was probably the hardest thing that I ever did in my entire life. And when I first got saved, I didn't get set free from it immediately. It actually took work. I had to put in, I had to be disciplined. I had to fight all those urges. But see, what happens is, is that for so many Christians, we, we, God comes in and He says, you're set free. You're in this cage of bondage. For me, in that case, it was, it was smoking. He came in and said, you're set free. He unlocked the door and He opened it. And I just sat in the cage. 
I never got up. I just stayed where I was. I didn't stand on his promises. And it wasn't until finally I started pressing into him and actually being disciplined in my own life that I was able to finally get the victory that he promised. Because what happens, I don't know about for you guys, but for stuff for me that's addictive, those thoughts come running in my head, right? Well, I'll just do it tomorrow. Just one won't be that big of a deal. Or what about this one? Anybody ever do this? God will still love me. He'll still forgive me. I've used that excuse before. The good news is, is he will still love you. It's still not something that we should be doing. The thing is, is that the enemy is going to try to steal everything that God has given to you, and we need to resist. That means being committed. I love how he uses this, this idea of an athlete. Here's another one. We talked about relationships earlier, right? How many have ever been in a relationship Things aren't going well. And what's the first thing you think? Here are all the things that the other person has to do for things to be okay. You start wondering, if they would just do this, it would be okay. And I love this idea of an, the, the, an athlete who he's talking about here for disciplining himself. How many of you know that when, a, when an athlete is preparing for the game, when he's preparing for the race, he doesn't do it by going to the other person going, listen, I just need you to be slower. <laughs> if you would... I just need you to not practice as much. If you will do these things, then I will certainly get the victory. That's not how it works. They begin to work on themselves. They begin to deal with what's going on in their own lives. They begin to put in the work to get the training, to get the endurance that they need to win. I think for most of us, if we would stop focusing on other people and start focusing on ourselves, that would solve all kinds of problems in our lives. Because the enemy is going to try to steal stuff from you. You've got to resist Here's some practical examples of that in your life. If you want your relationships in your life to get better, you need two things. One, Jesus needs to be the center of them. And two, you need to start looking inward. See, many of us are going, man, why won't that my, my boss give me a promotion? I deserve a promotion. I earn a promotion. He just needs to do this. He needs to do that. Well, instead of thinking about what he needs to do, why don't you look at your own performance at work and work in such a way that it'll be impossible for him to not give you a raise. Or if you're in a relationship where stuff is going uh, tough, stuff's going hard, instead of pointing out all the things the other person needs to do right, take a look at your own life and begin to make sure that you're doing everything that needs to be done, that you're showing love, that you're being compassionate, that you're stepping up, that you're being forgiving, that you're doing all those things. And see if the other person doesn't follow. You can't, how many of you can't change somebody else? You can only change yourself. By being disciplined and doing those different things. In church, if we want to be effective, we're going to have to start training like these athletes. You ever heard uh, uh, where the Bible says you have to be ready in season and out of season? If you never have an in season, you're going to have a tough time being ready out of season. You need to have an in season. You need to be training, spending time, standing firm. And when your life comes under attack, we don't run away. We stand firm on God's promises. Because the reality is, is no soldier goes to war unprepared. When you join the army, they send you to basic training. And then they send you to your job, whatever your job's going to be. That can be another six months to a year, depending on what it is. And they train you to do what you're going to be. Because how many know if they sent you to war with no training, one, you'd be useless. You'd be ineffective. Who wants to be ineffective? Good, nobody raised their hand. So that means you need to train. 
That means you need to train. You need to be ready. You need to put in the time so that you can be effective. Because like I said, we're in war. We need to be ready when the enemy comes against us. If you want to be victorious, who wants to be victorious? Then train to be ready to stand against. Because here's the reality. In Matthew eleven twelve, 12, it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, you guys, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me say over and over and over again that one of the greatest disservices we can do to new Christians is tell them if they get saved, then it's all lollipops and gumdrops after that. Because being a Christian is hard. Living in this world is hard, especially with as crazy as it's getting. But I imagine every generation has felt the same way. Things are getting crazy. And as soon as you become a Christian, it's true, there might be some things that you you won't face again. But there's going to be so much that you're going to face just because you are a Christian. Life doesn't get easier because you're a Christian. Everything doesn't work out because you're a Christian. When you get born again, all of a sudden your bills don't just get magically paid. And your relationships don't get magically fixed. Sometimes you've got to put in work and put in time. Now, it's a start for all of those things, but you've got to walk through it. But the reality is, is the kingdom of heaven has always suffered violence. There's always been people coming up against it. Some are trying to steal what it has, and others are trying to, to, to prove that it doesn't have what it has. And as a Christian, being part of the kingdom of heaven, you're going to face this violence. You're going to have it happen in your life, whether it's persecution by people on this earth, or whether it's attacks of the enemy, in his multiple different ways, he's going to try to do it. Sometimes it'll be sickness. Sometimes you'll just be tempted to get stuck back into a sin that you used to be in your old life. And it tries to rear its head up. And sometimes it'll send people against you. And you're also going to have to deal with internal attacks as well. Your own internal doubts and your own fears. Anybody here ever been afraid? It's okay to be afraid. You just need to make sure your faith muscle is bigger than your fear muscle. Work out your faith muscle more than your fear muscle. And for heaven's sake, stop doing stuff to make you afraid. It drives me crazy. So many people want to, like going to see scary movies. Anybody here like to see scary movies? I'll tell you what, for me, if God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, I'm not going to go out of my way to get one. <laughs> that just seems like common sense to me. But I want you to know, church, don't ever think it's going to be easy. But it will be worth it. If you want to persevere and experience all God has for you, you're going to have to keep fighting. You're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be disciplined. Nobody likes that word. But it's necessary. And then once you do both of those things, like the Bible says, having done all to stand firm, Stand firm. That's what it says. Having done all to stand firm, stand firm therefore. After you've done those things, you're going to have to persevere. Because just because, you know, how many of you have ever thought, like, why doesn't it work like this? Maybe I'll ask God. But, like, once I've decided I want to lose weight, how come I just don't lose the weight? That would be so much easier. I'm telling you. Once I decided to quit smoking, how come it wasn't just gone from me? But it doesn't work like that. First, you have to be strong and be disciplined. You have to make those first steps, but then you have to persevere. 
You have to keep going. You have to keep moving. You have to keep fighting. And when you get knocked down, you have to get back up. And even if you fall, it's okay as long as you get back up. The only way to lose is to not get back up. Always get back up and stand on what God has promised for your life. God is for you. And as such, you'll always have victory as long as you'll let him work in your lives. But if you keep him away, if you keep him at arm's length, it makes it really hard for God to work in your life when you won't let him come in. I also want you to know that in addition to God being there for you, everybody in this church is here for you as well. You have a family. If you need someone to come alongside of you and pray, call somebody. If you don't have anybody's phone numbers, get their phone numbers. Call. Ask for someone to walk alongside you. Ask for someone to encourage you. Ask for somebody to pray with you. We're a family and we're here for one another. Church, press in and claim your victory. Amen? It's time to fight. It ain't going to be easy, but it'll be worth it. Amen? Let's go ahead and bow our heads.